Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. And we are back for part two of our Joseph episode. Yes, that Joseph of Joseph and the Amazing Tentacolor Dream fame. Hopefully you from last week's episode went back and watched the Donny Osmond version because it is the pinnacle of musical theater. Excellence, fight me. But anyway, remember we're in the book of Genesis where this story comes from. That first book of the Bible, the beginning, the one that really tells the story of Israel's captivity in Egypt and how we got there. And we are telling one of the last stories in the book of Genesis, but the first story in the Bible. Confusing, whatever. And that is the story of our main squeeze, Joseph. So what's happened so far with him? First, well, Jacob slash Israel, his father, favored him beyond all of his 11 brothers. We know this. Cool. And to show his favor, he gave Joseph a fabulous coat of many colors, that technicolor dream coat. The brothers, seeing this coat, seeing this favoritism, were incensed. They were super angry. And then, to add insult to injury, Joseph had the audacity to share two dreams about his brothers, which did not paint these brothers in the best light. In fact, it showed that not only his brothers, but his family as well, would be bowing down to him eventually. And this was seen when we saw the, those sheaves, that grain that was piled in kind of the, the diamond shaped, bowing down to the one big sheave, that being Joseph, or the stars somehow bowing down to a big star, again being Joseph. And because of these two injuries, first of all, the favoritism, and second, this bowing down bit, the brothers hatched a super nefarious plan to rid themselves of their brother Joseph. And what did they do? Well, we know that they first stripped him of that beautiful coat and then threw him in a pit and eventually sold him to a group of Ishmaelites who were traveling to Egypt. And said Ishmaelites transported Joseph to Egypt and to the house of Potiphar, the Pharaoh's captain of the guard. And that is where we're going to pick up today's story. That's where we're going to continue. And Listen, hang on to your butts, kids, because things are about to get worse before they get better. Well, how? Um, well, just to kind of preface it, today's story involves predatory wives, prison, butlers, bakers, not candlestick makers, but more questionable dreams, <laughs> flesh-eating crows, and so much more. So without further ado, let's continue our story of our bad bleep, Joseph. So again, Joseph was sold to Potiphar, the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. But to be honest, it wasn't all bad for Joseph. Sure, yes, things were rough there in the beginning, obviously being sold as a slave to Potiphar and then yeeted from his favored life from the house of Jacob into this house of slavery. But the Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered in the house of his Egyptian master. Honestly, what can go wrong when you've got the Old Testament God on your side? Um, probably arguably a lot, actually, given some of our older stories about this Old Testament God, but what can you do? But here, it was good to have God on his side because, again, Joseph was favored. 
he had the Lord to prosper him. And Potiphar noticed Joseph and noticed his, I guess, house managing skills. Uh, There are no specifics given as to what made Joseph stand out within the house. Maybe he was just really good at sweeping and polishing Potiphar's candlesticks. Regardless, Potiphar noticed Joseph and noticed his particular skill set in managing the household. And so, because of this, Potiphar put Joseph in charge of not only his household, but also everything that he owned. And cool! Things are looking up for Joseph, right? Honestly, and it turns out Joseph was a bit of a lucky rabbit's foot, you might say, for Potiphar now that he was put in charge. Uh, Because of the Lord's blessing, Joseph was not only blessed, but his blessings radiated to the entire household. They had good crops. They had good yields on those crops. They had great food in abundance. They had good everything, you might say. And everything was good for Joseph and good for the house of Potiphar. And all seemed to be going just swimmingly, regardless of the unfortunate circumstances that got Joseph here in the first place. But that would not continue long, since Joseph's story is about to take a particularly downward, spiraling, but yet juicy turn, and all because of Joseph's good looks. Clearly, being a shepherd and a favored son worked out super well for Joseph in the looks department because the Bible tells us that he was well-built and handsome. Wow. Those darn good looks of his, they probably caught the eye of Potiphar, for one, because who wasn't a little gay in Egypt? But more unfortunately, it caught the eye of Potiphar's unnamed, yet deliciously malevolent and lusty wife. Which, side note, why are women in the Bible always, always, always painted as the villains? I don't get it. Maybe I do get it, because the Bible was written by men. And here we are. But regardless, the beginning of Joseph's downfall began when one day Potiphar's wife spied Joseph's bulging biceps and chiseled quads and just couldn't help herself, it seems. And with tingling loins, she cried to Joseph, saying, Joseph, come to bed with me. Joseph was taken aback. He was shocked, and he refused to go to bed with her. Obviously, this would not only be a horrible thing in the eyes of Potiphar, but again, Joseph wasn't of that type. He was not going to do that, no matter how good his looks were. And so he replied with an impassioned speech, uh, quoting his loyalty to Potiphar, how disgraceful it would be, yada, yada, yada. But Potiphar's wife doesn't take no for an answer. Yes, she might have taken no at that moment, but day after day after this moment, she questions Joseph. Day after day, she asks, come, come, lie to bed with me. I mean... To be fair, seeing a hunk of a man running around your household, managing people, lifting things, who knows how we would react. But regardless, Joseph was saying no, and no means no, regardless of whether you are man or woman. So day after day, Joseph also refuses, going so far as to begin to avoid Potiphar's wife entirely until... One particularly unfortunate day. 
in that while carrying out his household duties, Joseph found himself alone with the wife of Potiphar. No servants, no Potiphar, just he and this lusty, delicious lady, Potiphar's wife. And because, obviously, women can't contain themselves, she again propositioned Joseph. But this time, she went even further and grabbed Joseph's cloak. Joseph was taken aback, screamed, and I'm sure shocked, and promptly flees the scene. Unfortunately, he left something behind. He left that cloak. And he also left the woman who was about to be his downfall because... Potiphar's wife was over being rejected time and time again by this good-looking yet annoying household manager that was Joseph. And now, instead of going to bed with her and seeking that, she sought vengeance instead. And the cloak was truly all she needed because... As we find out, she goes to Potiphar and fabricates an absolutely damning story. She says to Potiphar, Potiphar, listen, Joseph attacked me. I screamed. He screamed. And then he ran out of the house, leaving his cloak. Look, look at how your favored slave has treated me. And of course, Potiphar, without hesitation, believes this story of his wife's, finds the decloaked Joseph and promptly yeets Joseph into the depths of the Pharaoh's palace prison. Note that last qualifier, the Pharaoh's prison. Because, so while this is bad, yes, Joseph has now once again suffered a giant calamity in falling from the beautiful grace of Potiphar's house to now prison. Fret not, my friends, for while Joseph may have taken two steps back, he's about to take one giant leap forward. But first, we need to interpret some more dreams. So Joseph's in prison. Yes, sure. But as we find out, the Lord was still with him. Because while the conditions were obviously not the greatest in prison— Uh, Because of this divine backup of gods, the Old Testament gods, once again, he was favored by the guard in the prison and put in charge of all that was done there. What was done in prison? I don't know. Maybe he polished the shackles? Did he feed the rats? Again, I do not know. But Joseph was in charge of these things. And it wasn't long after Joseph's prison stay that who should arrive to join him in this prison but two royal guests? I say arrive, but they were not visiting. They were also cast into the prison because they had offended their master, the Bible tells us. And who was this master? Y'all, it was the pharaoh. The pharaoh of all of Egypt at the time. These two illustrious guests were the chief cupbearer, which if you don't know what that is, it is the dude who not only served the king his wine, but also tasted said wine for potential poison and would clearly die for the king. So super, super important position to do this because the cupbearer could also poison the king. So needed someone trustworthy. The second person who arrived within the prison with Joseph was the chief Baker. So we have the cupbearer visiting him, and we have this baker visiting him. 
And side note, I happened to be in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat way back in the day and not only played one of the brothers, Simeon, sure, but also the fabulous part of this cupbearer. And in that part, I was also costumed for in, in basically a one bib and the tiniest little skirt that you have ever seen in your life. Um, and for that, look for the pic on the Insta post because I will post it there. So if you want to see that little costume, look there on Insta. Going back to the story, we have the cupbearer and the baker visiting slash being yeeted into the prison with Joseph. And again, it wasn't long being in Joseph's company, Joseph, that king of dreams, that the cupbearer and baker had some dreams of their own. Two respective dreams per prisoner that really had some distinct meanings and some distinct outcomes, it'll come to be known. Some better outcomes than others, it turns out. So... Let's go through these two dreams. The first was the cupbearer's dream. In his retelling, the cupbearer saw a vine in front of him, a thick, juicy vine out of which sprouted three branches. And from these branches, great giant blossoms, these flowers began to bloom. And it wasn't long until those blossoms turned to the juiciest grapes that you had ever seen. The cupbearer in his dream then gathers the grapes, squeezes those grapes into Pharaoh's cup, and gives the grapes to Pharaoh slash the wine to Pharaoh, who I'm sure drank heartily of these delicious, juicy grapes. After retelling the story, the cupbearer asks Joseph, what does it mean? And Joseph, I'm sure, sat thoughtfully for a moment, and then through divine revelation, shared this meaning. The three branches, he says, represents three days. And in those three days from now, Pharaoh will get over his anger and restore the cupbearer to his esteemed position in the court of the king. Cool. Great. Joseph also thinks this is great and adds a tiny little caveat for the cupbearer now that this news good, good news has been shared. He says to the cupbearer, again, after interpreting this first dream... Hey, cupbearer, please, yes, I gave you this dream, and don't forget me. Please, don't forget that I just interpreted this dream for you. And if you could, tell Pharaoh, now that you are going to be reinst reinstated as cupbearer, that I don't deserve to be in this prison. That I was stolen from my land, did fine, was falsely accused, and now I'm stuck in this prison. Desperate on Joseph's part, maybe, but the cupbearer agreed, now that he has this good news, to tell the pharaoh that Joseph is in this prison. Great! That's all happened. Now comes the baker's dream. And he probably is hopeful, having heard the great interpretation that the cupbearer just had. Well, let's just say things don't turn out as great. Great? Grape. Ha! don't turn out as great for our baker. His dream went as such. He recounts that in his dream, he was carrying three baskets of bread on his head, the top of which was full of the most delicious pastries, all destined for the table of his boss, the pharaoh. Unfortunately, while on the way to deliver said delicious pastries, birds flew in and began to eat these pastries leaving nothing for the pharaoh. And then he wraps up his story and looks hopefully at Joseph. 
Joseph, unfortunately, again, did not have good news to share with the baker about his dream. And here was the meaning. Sure, the three baskets, just as in the cupbearer case, represent the three days that these two people have to spend in prison. But rather than being released in three days, the Pharaoh will instead, and I quote from the Bible here, lift off the head of the baker and impale his body on a pole upon which the birds will eat away his flesh. Can you imagine the poor, why am I laughing? Can you imagine the poor baker's face after hearing this dream interpretation? Also, it begs the question, what did the baker actually do to have this happen to him? Lordy, that's a lot. But here we are. Those are the two dreams, one better than the other. And Joseph was not called the king of dreams for nothing since, after three days had passed, that third day, which also happened to be Pharaoh's birthday, Pharaoh called up his two prisoners from his royal prison, that cupbearer and the baker. And in front of all his partygoers, Pharaoh restores the cupbearer to his position. And then also promptly beheads and impales the baker, whose skin and body were all eaten by birds. So all that Joseph interpreted was true. And you would think that the cupbearer would be grateful. You would think that the promise the cupbearer made to Joseph in the prison would be honored. He would tell Pharaoh all about the wrongly imprisoned Israelite who interpreted both his and the baker's dream with scary accuracy. Accuracy. Unfortunately, though, he didn't remember. He did not tell Pharaoh. In fact, the Bible actually tells us that the cupbearer forgot him, forgot Joseph, forgot his promise to Joseph, and forgot Joseph's kindness in in interpreting this dream. At least, the cupbearer forgot for now. And it's here we leave Joseph. We leave him sitting in prison, awaiting what I'm sure he assumed was his imminent release for the kindness he showed the cupbearer. Turns out he'd be waiting a while. But don't you worry, since Joseph is about to have the biggest comeuppance ever in the form of some more juicy dream interpretation, which lands him at the feet of the fickle pharaoh. But we'll get to that part of the story next week. So until then, sorry to leave you again at a cliffhanger. Until then, be sure to tune in to, of course, Bad Bleeps of the Bible next Tuesday to hear the next part of our story. But also Bad Bleeps Uncut. Freddy's back on this coming Friday. I'm sure we will be here for another unhinged episode. But until then, you're just going to have to wait to hear all about Joseph's meteoric rise to the stars. <laughs> go, 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 Joseph. I really hope that you enjoyed today's part two of our Joseph's story episode. Please, always feel free to get in touch with me and share those thoughts, those church stories, that church trauma at babbleepsofthebible at gmail.com. And find us on Instagram. Again, if you want to see Scott in a tiny little skirt, in the show, Joseph the Amazing Tentacolor Dream Coat, go find us on Instagram. You can also find us on TikTok at Bad Bleeps of the Bible. That is our handle. Sources for today's story can be found in the show notes. And please rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Catch you next time and watch out for juicy dreams and deliciously lusty ladies. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>